Hello, everybody, and welcome to Grim Scenarios. Uh, this is going to be episode 28, and we're going to do something a little bit different this week. I'm your host, Milk, along with your other host, Emma. Emma, how's it going? Great. Very <laughs> excited to be recording Grim Scenarios here uh, with my good friend, Milk, at a very reasonable hour on an, a very reasonable night. <laughs> we definitely haven't been uh, we definitely haven't been binge playing Clock Tower for the last few hours, that's for sure. I've certainly not been just alternating between Clock Tower games and Baldur's Gate for the past 12 hours. <laughs> uh, so what we thought we would do uh, just a little bit different this week is we thought we would try uh, showing you how storytellers think about setting up a grim and how storytellers make decisions about what to put in the bag and how to make decisions about how you know to set up tokens and what sort of interactions to to, to look for and what sort of uh, just kind of how to lay out your grim how to set things up what kind of decisions you can make and set up yeah uh you know, this is, we advertise it sort of as a strategy podcast. Really, I think of it as a comedy podcast first, and then a strategy <laughs> podcast second. Probably. But uh, the storyteller is a player, and the storyteller has strategy, too. Yep, that's right. Um, so, there's... Uh, we're going to look at the strategy from the storyteller side. Um, Milk, what is your sort of strategic goal as a storyteller when you start, when you're setting up a game? Um, I think there's two things for me that... I really tried to do. The first, uh, and I, I find to be the most important generally for me, is I try to give players reasons to interact with one another, right? Uh, for me, that's a that's a big one. Uh, so I try not to just pile up, you know, all of the interactions in one place. Uh, and I think that helps, right, to spread around the information, to get players talking to one another, and not necessarily just talking to the same people that they always talk to. Right, so you're you're putting the pings out in different places. You're you're you know trying to trying to make make some social interactions happen because ultimately it is a social game. Uh, and and then the the second thing is to look at sort of um, I don't try to force a world um, on players. That's that's really important to me. I like to support player agency, and so rather than trying to push the evil team into a certain world, push the evil team to use their bluffs in a certain way, um, things like that. Uh, I try to support them creating whatever world it is that they want to create. Um, on some mm -hmm. scripts, it's easier than others. Um, but generally, I try not to cut off avenues of, of uh, bluffing or avenues of you know, lines of play um, with the storyteller choices. Inevitably you will do that. You will start to start to, you know, cut into the various different lines of play. You you can't help but do that. But I try to do that as little as possible so that the players have as open of a space to work in as possible. What about you? Yeah. Uh so I think all that's really important, but I think there's something you have to look at before you get to any of that, which is of course some people will talk about how the storyteller's job is to get the game to final three. And I don't think that's quite right but i do think when you're setting up the bag you should be setting up the bag is in a way that makes you think looking at this bag this is a game i think can get to a final three that's interesting um because as we milk talked about how this is a social game and you want to push players to socially interact and have fun but sort of even more basic to that like the sort of baseline that's going to create those sort of social interactions that force interactions and create fun is a game that's interesting and tense. Uh, you don't want to set up a bag that's going to be um, just very hard for one of the teams to win on from the start, that's going to be very hard to create alternate worlds from, where everything's sort of predetermined. Yeah, I agree with that. That's definitely true. And a lot of that is, you know, selecting the characters you know really and mm -hmm. to do that you need to understand the characters um that's why you know when 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 we you know kind of teach people how to storytell we start with trouble brewing which kind of everybody knows by the time they get around to storytelling right 
They know the interactions. Mm-hmm. They know the characters really well. The characters are pretty straightforward on TV. There's not a whole lot that can kind of confuse you. Um, and the interactions aren't that aren't that complex. So realistically, that's that's why you start there. And then you move on to S&B or BMR, which have you know many interactions and much more complex uh, ways of setting up the grid. Yeah. Um, we're, of course, going to start with S&V, and then maybe we haven't decided whether we're doing TB or BMR for the second half of this episode. But ignoring our own advice we just said of starting with TB, we're starting with S&V. Yep. And the reason we're going to do that is because uh, I think S&V is quite difficult to set up a grim for um, that that feels balanced. S&V can feel mm-hmm. very one-sided and solvable sometimes. And so creating a balanced grimoire can can feel difficult when when you you know put certain things in the bag or certain things happen. Exactly. So, so with that in mind, the first step in storytelling a game is you decide what goes in the bag. Yeah. So, what do we think we want to put in this bag, Emma? How do you how do you choose what goes in the bag? I'm going to bring up the select character screen here so that the audience can see it. Yeah. Where do you so start? I think I I almost always start with a demon on a multi-demon script. Uh, I almost start trying to figure out what demons is going to be in play, and then I build the rest of the bag from the demon. Now, with the demon, I try to make my choices as random as possible. And that just starts from, I don't want people metaing what demon is in the bag based on what they think I like, because that's not really fair, uh, if that's a consistent way to meta games. Because then the evil team is shut off from selling worlds about the demons they think you don't like because they're not in the bag. Yeah, and it right. doesn't like them. So I will normally, not always, but normally I will randomly select one of the demons on the script and then build my bag from there. Yeah, that seems right. I do something very similar. Uh, sometimes I'll, you know, especially when, you know, we're, we're on stream or something. Sometimes I might just feel like a certain demon or I'll know what a different, you know, I'll know what scripts we've run recently and what demons we've run recently. So I might choose something that's, you know, less, you know, we've, we've used less, but in general, yeah, it's, you just pick a random, you just pick a random demon um, and you kind of build around that. So, so with with that that, in mind, I'm just going to hit the shuffle button four times in my screen. Yep. And it came up Fangu. All right. So we're going to start with a Fangu. So the Fangu is going to modify the outsider count. So that's the first thing we have to be aware of. Um, putting the fa- as soon as we put the Fangu in the bag, right? We have to know we're going to change the outsider count. Yeah. Uh, so I will normally then start by filling out the rest of the evil team with the minions. Yeah, and I think um, I think because it's sometimes a difficult choice, Emma. I think I'd like to go ahead and put Evil Twin in this bag. Sure. I, I was going to say, yeah. So with a, with a Fangu, especially on 12 players, and this is a little different on other player counts, I have a strong tendency against using the Pit Hag um, and for using two of the other three minions on a 12-player count. That's not always, and it's not like an absolute rule. But the fact of the matter is that the Pit Hag's job is sort of to create outsiders, most of the time. It's not the only thing a pit hag can do, and there's other interesting choices a pit hag can make, but a lot of their job is going to be creating outsiders. And when the game starts with outsiders already, extra outsiders already, the pit hag's play space is drastically reduced. Yeah. So, it, with a fangu, my preference, like, and again, I don't want this to be like something that's fully metable or fully discoverable, is to go with the two of the other three minions and leave the pit hag out, unless I have a really strong want desire for a Fangu pit hag game. Yeah, I, I generally agree with that as well. Um, maybe maybe you put a pit hag in, but the pit hag's playing space on S and V specifically is just very narrow. Once you once you have three minions yeah, or three outsiders working. Yeah, this is particularly on twelve players. On ten yeah. or eleven, I don't feel this strong. With nine, eight, right, or nine, I guess I'd still do eight and seven. 13, 14, I don't feel as strong. It's based two outsiders with the Fangu that I'm really sort of eh about a pit egg. It's not the end of the world. Pit egg works perfectly fine with Fangu. But I generally prefer Evil Twin, Saranovus, and Witch with a Fangu. Yep. 
I, I agree with you, too. Uh, why don't we just add a Saranovas? Because that's an easy minion. It doesn't really matter if we pick which or Yeah, Saranovas. and that also creates uh, decision points for the storytellers, which is what, we, of course, we want to talk about today. Yep. So we'll go with a Fangu, a Saranovas, and an Evil Twin. That looks like a pretty good evil team. Uh, so now as we're thinking about what to do with these, um, with these three characters, the next thing we're going to look at is probably our Outsiders. Uh, mm -hmm. since Fangu adds that extra outsider, we don't want to forget that. Um, when we're choosing outsiders, there's not really an optimal, you know, kind of set of outsiders to pick. You want to generally be no. pretty random. Um, one of these outsiders may end up getting turned into an evil demon, right? Uh, so it's, it's not, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you can kind of pick any three that you want. On other scripts, there might be more, more of a decision space, uh, for them. But uh, since that's since there's not really anything, I'm just going to click Mutant Sweetheart and Barber here. Um, we could put in Klutz instead of Barber. It's basically all the same. Barber allows, you know, kind of a swap maybe to happen. Not necessarily. We don't necessarily worry about that, I think. Yeah, uh, and Barber is very, like, there's some choices that, like, uh, for a f jump, if, like, the Fengu jumps to the Mutant, who didn't have a good bluff because they were the Mutant, like the barber swapping them on to say the Saranovas after that, who might be in a socially better position because they had a stronger bluff, is can be quite good for the evil team. Yeah, I think I, I like this. I like this trilogy of outsiders. Yeah, I think this works nicely. Also, Fangu doesn't create any of its own uh, uh, misinformation, so adding a sweetheart can kind of help with that. Maybe create some misinformation somewhere, mm -hmm. something the storyteller can use yeah. to help back up the evil team a little bit. Yeah, the evil team's misinformation is going to come, of course, from their own lies here. The Saranovas can create misinformation. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the Sweetheart maybe yep. creates misinformation. Sweethearts frequently don't do as much misinformation as you'd like, because by the time they're dead, it generally a bunch of townsfolks are dead, and the information is starting to narrow anyway. But sometimes they can be really devastating. Yep. And of course, a mutant is fantastic. Mutants are a really fun outsider. People kind of like to play the mutant, so it's always good to have fun characters in the bag. And the mutant naturally creates some disinformation as well. It creates double claims. It creates, you know, a, a, a town, a someone bluffing, someone claiming a townsfolk that just has bogus information. Mm -hmm. So, what kind of uh, what kind of things should we think about when we look at the townsfolk uh, to put into a game? of S and V here, Emma. Um, yeah. So with any script, it's going to hopefully be that the townsfolk are robust enough to go in with any combination of minions and outsiders. Um, that's not necessarily true, but you hope that the townsfolk are mostly robust enough. So with townsfolk, I don't think it matters all that much, which ones you put in, but you generally want to put in a balance of townsfolk that are doing different things. Yeah, that seems right to me. Um, you want to have a couple, of, maybe a couple of one, you know, once per, you want to make sure you have at least a once per game, right? You want to make sure you have a couple of, you know, recurring infos, maybe a couple of ability characters. You, you don't want to just have kind of all the same type of every night wake up and get information character. Um, I will give a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a, a, a thought here is that Clockmaker uh, is a tricky character to put onto a script with Evil Twin. Um, it can be a little bit difficult for the evil team to work around a clockmaker. That said, we've got a Fangu that can move. We've got a Barber that can swap characters. So a clockmaker should be fine. Uh, so okay. uh, what do you want to add here, Emma? I guess it doesn't really matter, but let's you know maybe pick a couple. So, of yeah, so like this is sort of... Let's pick some things that are going to create interesting storyteller decision points that we can talk about. Like, So let's do a Savant. Mm -hmm. I love that let's idea. Let's do a Sage. Let's do a philosopher. Definitely do a philosopher. Let's do a dreamer. Yep, that's one we definitely need to talk about. Uh, I think. And in... let's do a juggler. I think these are the ones juggler, that we yep. get the most interesting decision point discussion. All right. Go. Clock, dreamer, let's savant, just... philo, juggler, and sage. Yeah, let's, let's just out. toss these 12 out. Yep. All right. And so our players have either online with press the buttons, in person maybe you hand it around the bag, and let's see what's happened here. First off, for things first, is we can see that our evil team has all lined up one, two, three, Fangu, Evil Twin, Saranovas. Yep. That is oh. 
interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we then have uh, the mutant and the barber uh, down there at the bottom as well. So uh, if this were a no if this were a no dashi, we'd have nice long tentacles, but we've got a fangu. Yeah. So our clockmaker we know is going to get a one. Mm-hmm. Just put that there by the clockmaker. And it's going to be specifically pinging off the evil twin, which is tough. So probably knowing this, we want to give twin info that is uh, a twin that is going to be something that good's going to have a hard hard for the good team to solve. So they don't just solve C3, the evil twin, and then kill the neighbors. So let's look at the possibilities as we go around the grim of what might be a good thing to give as an evil twin here. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing, uh, just we'll just go around the grim from the top, is Savant. Does Savant make a good evil twin here? The Savant generally is, I think, one of the better evil twins because Savant information is tough to solve. It's recurring. You can't socially isolate the Savants. You need to get their information. Mm-hmm. But with the Savant and the evil twins flanking the Fangu... It's a problem. <laughs> It's a problem that we're not going to be dealing with. This right. savant just cannot be the evil. The savant is the clock one on both sides. Yeah, that's not going to work. How about yeah, a juggler? That's juggler, another great evil twin. Um, it's generally going to take them you a while to piece together the information. Yep. Um, Might even be clock... fairly easy to guess the guess the number. Yeah, clockmaker. Probably not the best evil twin choice. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's going to be something that's going to be socially isolating for the twins. Yeah, the, nobody's really going to be talking to them because they've got one it's... piece of information and then that's it. Yeah, and as soon as they share it, it's really easy for people to slip into socially unfun bad habits of like, oh, I already know the clock number and they might be evil, so let me just not talk to them. I got what I needed oh, from them. Oh, uh, we need to go out to the Grim because the audience can't see the Grim. <laughs> So okay, so how about uh, how about outsiders? Should we get should we generally give outsiders as a as a as a good twin? I don't mind it so much. I don't like mutant as an evil twin pair, but I don't mind it so much. It's a little tricky with a fangu because a fangu who jumps to an outsider twin is going to generate a new twin unless the evil twin has been successfully killed off already. Yep. But it, it's an option we can consider for sweetheart and barber at least. Yeah, sweetheart or barber might be a possible twin choice. Uh, mm-hmm. We know we can't use Savant. Uh, what about Philosopher? Is Philosopher a good choice? Philosopher's a fine choice. The issue is, of course, if the Philo twin goes Dreamer, which they may, um, because Dreamer is one of the worst twins because it's just one of these twins is going to have really good information and the other is going to have really bad information. Yeah. So and it's the very... really good, in- like the really bad information, can be explained by Vortox, but the really good information is just sort of hard proving not for talks most of the time. It's 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 very easy to tell which twin is which if you have twin dreamers. So of course we're not going to put the good twin on the dreamer in this game either. Yeah. Uh, how about the sage? I, I I think sage can be a fine twin if you have a vigor mortis as your demon. Mm-hmm. Because they might just kill, kill the a twin. Twin. Yeah. But with the fangu, it's much trickier. Yeah. And it's also, once again, socially isolating, right? It's yeah. one piece of information. It might not even happen. So, yeah, so we're going to give a twin juggler here. Um, yeah, I think uh, with the, how this fell out, I think twin juggler is just the best choice. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you could choose something different. I think Philo would be a reasonable choice. Philo would be if, okay. Especially if you, like, knew the player was probably not going to go Dreamer. Mm-hmm. Um, you can meta the player a little bit, you know, if you know Yeah. Them. But I think juggler is probably the best choice on this setup. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's not a it's not an easy setup for evil. But again, they have a fangu. They're going to end up with four evil players. So hopefully, they're going to end yeah. up with four evil players. So. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. What other so choices do we need? Two to other make? things are going to happen tonight. Seat four is going to make someone mad. Mm-hmm. No, let's. The philosopher might do something. Yeah. So the philosopher might do something. And I think to keep things interesting. Our file is going to go savant immediately and drunk the savant. I think that's a great idea. And this is, of course, the oops. Yeah, this is, of file. course, just because this lets us talk about what to do with a drunk character. Yeah, I'll let you make the changes. Sorry, I shouldn't have jumped in there. 
All right. Uh, we'll we'll get we'll get around to Savant uh, on their turn in the night order. Um, oh, we but, should pick some bluffs. We but we need to pick to some bluffs. That's yeah, another yeah. important thing to do. Yep. Uh, well, we would have figured out when we got to the demon and t told them their told them their minions. Uh, okay. So, what makes a good bluff for this game? What kinds of things uh -huh. does evil need to be able to bluff in this game? So, I think Town Crier is going to help evil a decent amount here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably right. Uh, one of the minions is going to be uh, one of the minions is already going to have a bluff, right? They're already going to be claiming whatever their whatever their um, twin, uh, whatever their twin saw or what they saw their twin as rather. Um, and yeah. Town Crier is one of the things that you can use to solve evil twins. So this may allow evil to push a world where the good twin is evil. Yeah. Um, what else could be useful? Um, weirdly enough, I think Klutz could be an interesting bluff choice here. Okay, let's let's talk through that. Sure. So, Klutz is both something. The reason you might give Klutz here is, let's say, the Fangu jumps to the mutant in particular, less likely, or the Barber of the Sweetheart. Um. If people start sussing out it's a Fangu game, the Saranovas can back off from whatever townsfolk bluff they were initially on into the Klutz buff to make themselves a Fangu demon jump candidate. Mm -hmm. And because evil has the sort of extra bluff because of the twin, you can set up that sort of two-for-one bluff between the... um for the minion or or frankly for the demon let's say the fangu jumps and they and no outsiders have died yet the fangu can claim klutz and pick someone there we can also give uh the the uh other bluff that we have can also support whatever is jumped to as well mm -hmm. um so when we give three bluffs either one of the evils can use two of the bluffs or they can hand off the third bluff uh that will be a unique bluff to um, the outsider that gets jumped to. Yeah, and I just also sort of wanted to say, like, in TB, it's sort of like... So the the rulebook and almanacs actually recommend giving, all, like, the the bluffs always being two townsfolk, one outsider. I think there's lots of reasons we've fallen away for that, primarily because on, in the online community, especially where we play so many 12-player games, where particularly on TB... Like, with, if a Baron's in play, you can't give an outsider bluff. Yeah. Um, and it, where, if there's a spy in play, you don't need to give an outsider bluff. Lots of times you'll see, you won't see that recommendation followed. And then, and I think a lot of people on Sex and Violets also tend to avoid it um, because of the Fangu worlds and the fact that outsiders turn into demon candidates on Sex and Violets. Yeah. And I just also wanted to push back on that a little bit. Like, You some evil players want to be demon candidates. Like the Saranovus wants to become a demon candidate eventually. If they can start bluffing something and then back into Klutz later, that's great. If the Especially evil the team wants one. to, yeah, if the evil team wants to hide that it's a Fangu game, the Fangu can jump and then claim Klutz to say, "Look, it's not a Fangu game because I'm an outsider who died in the night." Mm -hmm. yep, like that's... there's lots of things that can be done here with an outsider bluff. Yep. Like these sort of recommendations make sense. Like they're there for a reason. Um, and you can look at, you know, potential outsider counts as well. For example, if we had, uh, let's say we had, instead of a Fangu, we had a Nodashi or a Vortox, we might give an outsider bluff to allow those demons uh, to try to bluff that there's a Fangu in play, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we would be helping the evil team by letting them know, or, you know, giving them the ability to fake a Fangu world. And of course, a or... bigger Mortis, you know, can do that naturally. And we're going to need a third bluff. Um, I tend to try to give a mix of different um, activatable sort of abilities, of, of different ability types, of different waking patterns. There's reasons to do that. Um, so I would probably give Artist here as the third bluff. Um, it's a nice flexible yeah. bluff. It's a once per game, so it's not you know it kind of has a reason to still be alive later in the game. Um, it's not it's not that threatening as an information role. 
So yeah, I think I think artist is probably pretty good here for the evil team. Yeah, it allows them to craft their own information. Uh, that's that kind of allows them to direct the game the way they want to. If they want to fake mm -hmm. that it's a vortex world, they can try to fake that it's a vortex world, right? If they want to try to you know do something else with it, they can do something else with it. Point away from yeah. the demon, whatever. Um, so uh. Another thing, so as we're going through the first night order, Emma, um, mm -hmm. we wake up the evils and we tell them the, you know, we tell them the evil team. Uh, we get the Saranovis's pick, uh, would be the first well, first thing. we technically do the twins, so we wake them up. Oh, uh, we wake them. the twin and we tell them the juggler. Yep. Yeah. And then we wake the Saranovis and get the Saranovis's pick. Um, and, you know, it's, you're not going to be able to control where the pick goes. The pick is going to go somewhere. The Saranovas is picking blind. They don't know. Um, we'll just put the we'll just put the Saranovas madness on the sage right now. It doesn't really matter where it goes. And what did the Saranovas choose, Milk? Uh, let's say the Saranovas chose um, maybe an outsider. You know, maybe an outsider role. Uh, and and that that That's... again mix messes with the town's information. Maybe the Saranovas gives a barber. Yeah, and this isn't an uncommon strategy from a Saranovis, because some Saranovises like to go mutant hunting. Mm -hmm. um, so some Saranovises will just pick someone and pick an outsider in the hopes they can catch the mutant in the forced uh, outsider climb. Yeah, and that's perfectly perfectly reasonable strategy to go for, I think. Um, so then we get into then we get into the nighttime townsfolk. There's not a whole lot of first night townsfolk here, uh, but on we... any SNV game actually, yep. like. Uh, SNV has a very light night one townsfolk info thing, which is sort of fun because SNV, of course, has the Vortox, which means you have to execute day one on very little info. Yeah. Which is uh, one of the reasons clockmakers frequently end up getting executed for, well, they exist and it's no harm to lose them. Yep. Uh, we have one of the, I think, what people find to be the hardest townsfolk to deal with on the first night here, uh, which is the Dreamer. Yes. Um, the Dreamer uh, picks a player and learns a good role and an evil role uh, that that player could be. And the thing that makes this difficult is you don't know what the evil team is bluffing yet. Now, most in this... Most in of this them, script, like, there's, there's ways the evil team can actually get some of this information to you at night one. Like, when the you hand the demon the three bluff tokens or you show that to them, you can do it either way in person. Um, the demon can sort of, like... It, like, I frequently will actually physically hand the tokens to the demon for them yeah. to look at for their bluffs. And if the demon's worried about a dreamer immediately, they can, when they're handing them back to me, they can say, they can, like, put two here and one there in a way to signal, hey, this is the one I'm taking in case the dreamer gets me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's harder to do an online play uh, to kind of signal that way. But it's it's possible. You could tell, you could tell the storyteller, hey, I'm going like, to take it, this bluff. Online, like if the story, if we're doing it verbally, uh, the story you the storyteller gives you the three bluffs, and then you can respond, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm gonna take this one in case the dreamer gets me. And if you're doing it by the cards, uh, you can do the same thing. The storyteller sends you the three bluffs, you can respond with like, hey, I'm gonna be taking this one if uh, old dreamer face gets me. That's right. Um, good strategy to take. Uh, but the out, but the minions aren't gonna know. Uh, of course, in this case, the evil twin, you'll know what to do. You just show the you know you show the evil twin or the thing that the good twin is that's not a problem so with that in mind let's do the thing that's always going to be trickiest which is the dreamer picks the saranovis yeah so the dreamer is going to pick the saranovis now so that leaves us in a really tough spot because we've got three bluffs let's say we know what the fangu let's say the fangu was clever and told us what they were taking yeah let's let's say they took town crier because a lot of times demons will want these recurring info rules yeah. so let's say the fangu takes town crier so that means we've kind of got a 50-50 on what the Saranovis might take. We have to show Saranovis because there's no Vortox in play. There's no poisoning or, you know, anything to disrupt the Dreamer's information. They're sober. So we've got to figure out whether we should show Klutz or Artist. Yeah. And my inclination here is to show Klutz. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would do the same. Because it's going to be easier for the Saranovis to back from Artist to Klutz if they go the other way than it is for them to back from Klutz to Artist if they go the other way. Right. If the Dreamer goes to the Saranovis and says, hey, what are you? And the Saranovis says, oh, I'm the Artist. Uh, and the Dreamer says, well, interesting. And then, you know, accuses them later. The Saranovis can say, well, I'm the Klutz. I was hiding it. 
that's that's a pretty that's a yeah. pretty safe play. Uh, and then and then that's basically our that's basically our night order, Emma. Yeah. Um, so we would be we would be waking this town up. Now there is one other thing we probably ought to talk about uh, here, uh, which is the savant information. Uh, since we have a savant and a drunk savant, um, it's probably worth just talking for a moment about how do you craft good savant information? What does good savant information look like? I know we could do an entire panel on this. I have you done have. an entire panel on this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an hour-long panel on this. Uh, but uh, what can we say in short form, at least, about what you should do with a savant and a drunk savant? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So one thing that's probably important with a drunk and a drunk savant and a real savant is make sure both your sets of information sound like something you would say and are plausible given the game state. Yep. Um, generally, um, generally, uh, storytellers will go from more general information early to more specific information later as the as the game goes on. You don't have to do that. That's not. Something I, that's required. Yeah, I can do whatever you want. Don't really do that. I I tend I don't to anymore. give information, like a lot of this font information I like to give day one is something that will become useful later in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or things um, that require the players that require the savant player to actually interact with other players. That's something I yeah. quite like. Yeah, um, and I think the other good hint to help with savant information is diversify your savant information per day which is to say on the same day try to avoid giving two pieces of savant information that are mutually exclusive right um you don't want town to be able to solve out the savant information and get you know get uh two pieces of information about the same thing you want your information to be different so just just to, as an example of like one of the really basic things that people give which you maybe shouldn't always give um, you could say either the outsider count has been modified or uh, there is a uh, or the um, sweetheart is uh, the sweetheart is witch cursed today. Yeah. Um, Those are different types of information. Yeah. And especially on sex and violets, uh, try not to give uh, the outside account has been modified yeah. as either part of your savant information, whether it's on night one or night five. Uh, here's the thing about savant information with the outside account is modified in Saxon Violets. The Fangu modifies outside account. The Vigor Mortis modifies outside account. The Vortex doesn't modify outside account, which means for the, from the savant's perspective, they do modify outside account. So when you say the outside account is modified, that statement means. Either a Fangu Vortox or no, or Vigor Mortis is in play is your one of your statements, and your other statement is a Nodashi is in play plus something else. Yep. So, telling the savant that a demon is in play is what you're doing there. Yeah. And I want to tell you something: the savant already knows there's a demon in play. Yep. Giving the savant the information that the demon is in play is not very kind to the savant. They already knew that. You don't need to tell them that on day one. Yeah. Other types of information you could give uh, could be things like um, there are two outsiders seated next to each other, right? Um, you mm -hmm. could say, you know, um, you could say uh, no evils are directly across the grim from one another, right? So you can give positional mm -hmm. information. Uh, you, you can could say, say something like the Saranovis is closer to the twin than the demon, than yep. it is to the demon, which is true in this setup. Yep. And maybe makes the the savant look for the clockmaker one off the Saranovis instead of the de twin. Yep. Um, and you can always use the information to point at uh, to point at players with disrupted information as potential evils, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Savant is a demon bluff. Is just a piece of information you could give here. Yeah. Um. You could. Yeah. You could do that to the Phyllis one. You could tell them Savant is a demon bluff. Yep. Make them look at that Savant in seat one, whose information is going to be bad. Yep. And then you're giving them reasons to interact, right? You're giving them reasons to talk to one another. You're giving them reasons to uh, to, to nominate each other. 
right? You're creating an interesting social environment. Yeah. All right. So we've been going for about 30-ish minutes here on SNV. We're going to keep going because I do want to talk about some of our daytime decisions a little bit. But we're not going to go much further on SNV. We're going to switch to probably TV for the second back back half yep. of this episode. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Emma. Yeah, so let's let's talk about something else that might happen on day one of your SNV game, which is we have two characters interacting with madness and execution in play, and let's say one of them, it doesn't matter which, just decides, you know what? I'm cool being executed. What happens? What do we do? Yeah, so yeah, so let's 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 say our mutant because it's more likely with a mutant, I think, than a sage who's mad as the barber. Yeah, I think so. Let's say our mutant goes, you know what? I don't want to get Fangu jumped this game. I don't want to be uh, sussed. I just um, I'm happy to make myself a bit of a virgin here. Let me claim that I'm the um, let me let me claim a little bit of that outsiderness. Let's say I'm let me just be open and honest. I'm the barber. So, so milk. What, what do you do want you, to do with that? What do you want to do? Do you want to execute it immediately, or do you want to let the mutant sit and stew? Um, I think. You know, one thing depends on when it happens in the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, if it happens early in the day before the town comes back for nominations and it's disrupting town's, uh, town's you know, ability to share information. Um, if, that's... It, if it's going to stop the either of these savants, particularly the sober one, from getting savant information, if like the, you wake them up and the mutant says, hey, I'm the barber, come at me, storyteller, I yep. might just come at them. Like, that's devastating for town the juggler loses their entire ability and the yeah. two savants lose a whole days of information and if the juggler loses their entire ability on this grim the town has absolutely no way of differentiating between the twins yeah um on the other hand if the mutant sort of sits back waits and then at the very end of the day when someone else is on the block says oh by the way i'm the mutant i'd like to be executed now I probably am just going to let them stew there. I'm probably not going to give them what they want. Yeah, because... Like, town you, doesn't lose much from that. Yeah, you don't want to let them use that, you know, outsider ability, which should be a drawback for town, to get confirmation and to make themselves, you know, more useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's most of what we have to talk about here on SNB, Emma. Yeah, I think so. Like, well, there's obviously other stuff that would come up. Um, uh, well, the sage the picks, continues. right? Well, who do you show the sage when they die? Um, but that's very that can be social. That can be hard to figure out. We don't know how this game's gonna, you know, yeah. develop. You know, it depends on who you think is most suspicious. So, again, you know, it's it's kind of tricky in that way. All right. All right. Let's uh let's go to the second part. So let's uh let's bring back up the uh, let's bring back up the old select character screen now um mm -hmm. uh, to be honest emma when i when i create a trouble brewing grim um a lot of times i just randomize the whole grim i think it's yeah me too pretty hard to get a bad setup on trouble brewing most setups are valid on trouble brewing but since we're doing this for for you know kind of a demonstration purpose why don't we go ahead and pick some things to put on the grim uh, instead of just randomizing it like we usually yeah. would so Unlike on SNV, of course, you don't have a demon choice on Trouble Brewing. Yep, you're just getting it's always imp. the imp. You're always putting your imp in the bag, and you don't have to really worry about that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. your sort of decisive choice in Trouble Brewing is, of course, your minions. Yeah, and and there's really there's no really wrong choices. Um, mm -hmm. Three of the minions are essentially passive. Uh, and one of the minions is active. Um, so, you know, depending on what else you're going to put into the bag, uh, you might consider one or another minion. Um, if you intend to, if you intend to put certain townsfolk in the bag, some minions might work better with that for the evil team. But again, any setup is valid. Yeah, let's do a spy because spy creates, I think, interesting decision points to talk about as a story. Yeah, I think that's fair. And let's not do a uh, let's not do a Baron. Let's do a Scarlet Woman. Okay. I think that makes sense. Uh, what two outsiders do we want to put in? Oh, well, let's do the Drunk and the Recluse again. Like 
we, I would probably just put random here. It doesn't super matter which two outsiders, but the drunk and the recluse give us more interesting decision points to talk about. Yep. Oops. Uh, all right. Uh, so we've got a drunk and a recluse. Um, and now, what are we gonna? How are we gonna pick what goes in the bag? Again, you know, we want a couple of, you know, recurring info. We want at least one in recurring info. We want to try to get one or two starting infos, and then we want maybe one or two ability characters, right? We just kind of want a good mix of characters. Um, I think we should have, uh, shall we have a librarian, Emma? Uh, no, maybe um, a washerwoman, I think, here. Yeah, I was thinking of washerwoman and investigator for our yep. starts. I think washerwoman and investigator would be good here. Uh, let's have, oh, let's have an empath, because that can always be interesting. Uh, we can have a we can have a fortune teller as well. We can talk about some of how uh, some of the things we can do with that. Um, Let's have a raven keeper. I think a raven keeper is good, and a mayor I think is also useful. And we need two more because one of these is going to be drunk. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's go ahead. Uh, let's go ahead and have a slayer. We've got a scarlet woman, so we can definitely have a slayer. Probably a monk. Yeah, I think a monk's good. All right, this is this is a decent set of twelve characters. Let's just hand them out. All right, we've got a kind of a kind of a setup here. Um, yeah, let's see what we can let's see what we can do with it. So, well, let's uh, first pick our bluffs. The first thing we're going to do is pick bluffs. Yep, exactly. Um, so, Emma and I have talked uh, previously about how you can use. Um, the bluffs to communicate uh, information to your evil team. Um, and one of the things we can put on here to communicate with the evil team some information is the Undertaker. Um, if mm -hmm. we put Undertaker on, that means that probably there's uh, a spy on the Grim that facilitates that Undertaker bluff, we, we would hope. Yeah. Uh, like with S&V, and like I was saying here, I almost always would give an outsider bluff with this setup. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't really matter to me whether it's Butler or Saint, but I'm almost always going to give one of those two as bluffs just yep. because with the hidden drunk, it just gives evil more flexibility. Yep. So either Butler or Saint, it doesn't matter which. Um, and then for the third bluff, we probably want to give something uh, else that kind of gives information or is... Uh, utility uh, ability. Um, I was thinking maybe give chef because uh, I think that allows evil to try to paint an interesting world. But we could give soldier, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a gives evil a reason to still be alive at the end of. The chef yeah. kind of does. Too. I like chef. Yeah, and of course with the spy, the spy can always decide. Eh, I don't really like these. I can do librarian or soldier yeah, or they can whatever go off, if they want. They can go yeah. off uh, off off bluffs, which is fine. Uh, now, the other thing we have to do as part of our setup is pick a drunk. Um, a lot of times I will choose the drunk before I put the tokens in the bag when I'm when I'm picking out the tokens. But uh, starting storytellers might not do that. Um, they might find it a little bit easier to set up Grimm's if they put the uh, drunk token in, you know, once the Grimm is set up. Yeah, and I, I would caution you, like, it is a general matter. Like, it's okay to set up your bag thinking I'm probably going to put this person as the drunk. I do think it's a good idea to be flexible Absolutely. once the tokens are dealt out, once the setup is finished, to say, all right, is this really the best choice of the drunk given where I've put things? Yep. Some of the most unfortunate games I've run are games where I was like, I want a drunk X. The bag fell out some way where a drunk X didn't really help the evil team, whereas Sober Y just made it an unfun game. Yep. And I really should have swapped. Um yep. Especially with some of the more custom scripts, like there's often reasons where you look at what happened with the setup, and the drunk really needs to move. Absolutely. So where are we going to put the drunk in this game, Emma? Um, we can just kind of go through our options uh, quickly. Um, the monk is always a reasonable drunk candidate, but one of the problems with giving uh, putting the drunk token on the monk is that once the monk fails to protect they pretty much know that they're the drunk. They could be poisoned, but it's very easy to figure out where the drunk is in that case. And if the evil team, you know, has taken an outsider bluff, that's suddenly going to call that bluff into question. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah. I, I I would generally say any one of the Washroom and Empath, Ravenkeeper, Slayer, or Fortune Teller to me seems like it's a reasonable choice. Anything person. in this curve down here is going to be a reasonable yeah. choice for it. Um, you can drunk the mayor. There's nothing wrong with drunking the mayor, but it can be pretty feels bad if the good team gets to final three, goes for, you know, actually gets the votes to go for a mayor win, actually manages to finagle that, and then loses because the mayor was drunk the whole time. Yeah. It's uh, not my favorite. It's, it's not, like, against the rules, but it's, yeah, I, it's something I would normally tend to avoid. Um, in this case, uh, I think maybe we'll drunk the empath, Emma. Okay. Um, drunking the empath, you know, the empath is pretty close to the demon here, uh, and so maybe, maybe you know, we're worried that the washerwoman gets killed early, and the empath gets a read on the imp. Uh, there's a scarlet woman. We don't have to do this, but this is, you know, might be a, might be a good might be a good place for the drunk to yeah um then we have a bunch more setup things to do tv is a frequently a setup intensive storytelling experience other scripts tend to have more in-game decisions whereas tv has a lot of you have to make some choices night one and you have to commit to those choices for the rest of the game yep um, so yeah we've drunk that empath we have three more info roles we have to make some initial decisions about. That's the investigator, washwoman, and fortune teller. Where do you want to start? Let's start with the washwoman, I think. Sure. So, so with the washwoman, the first thing we have to decide is, are we going to be kind to our spy and use our spy as a misinformation source? I always think yes. I always think that's absolutely a great choice. Yeah. I I tend to agree. I tend to think like we put a spy in this bag. Spy Spy notoriously, if you look at the design history of BOTC, its original ability was just each night you see the grimoire. Period. End of story. That's your ability. And it just was too weak. Yeah, it's just not it strong enough. It just didn't help evil. The second half was added. You might register as good and as a townsfolk or outsider, even if dead, was added to make sort of the spy a character that was strong enough to help evil win games. And it definitely makes um, it much stronger. So, when we look at this Grim, uh, the fortune teller has no real interaction with the spy. Nope. Uh, the empath is drunk, and its interaction with the spy doesn't really matter. The Raven Keeper, maybe they hit the spy at some point, Maybe not. Doesn't matter. I'm very tempted to let the spy interact with the washerwoman. I absolutely think we should. And there's a yeah. couple of things we can do. There's some really interesting things we can do here. Yeah, we, we have to put the townsfolk correct down on the spy, but yep. if we're going to do this, but that gives us a few different things. We Yeah, like you were saying, what, what are some of those things, Milk? Uh, well, the first one that jumps to mind Right, is that we could put the uh, town, we could put the uh, other washerwoman reminder token here on the empath, and show an empath between the spy and the the drunk. Right. Yeah. This makes the empath's information look valid. It clears the empath from being the drunk. Right. It's quite a strong choice uh, to disrupt good information. Yeah. Essentially. It's turning the washerwoman and empath both into drunks. Yeah. Which I think is fine. Like I said, this is basically the spy's only ability this game, is it's creating the second drunk on the washerwoman. Yep, that's pretty much all the spy does. Uh, you probably know the Grim about halfway into the game, so yeah. know it, getting the Grim every night doesn't really matter. The other options we could have are we could put the wrong thing on one of the other evils and show up either undertaker or chef yep um the spy will know that a spy looking at that grim should be able to see oh the it's one of the two townsfolk bluffs i take one whoever we put the other one on takes the other and one of us will get confirmed yep that's another option we could do yeah that's a that's another uh, really strong option the third option we could do is an option that's deceptively strong and interesting i think which is we would just put the wrong token on literally any other character any other townsfolk and we just show a completely wrong 
townsfolk. Maybe we show something that's in play. Maybe we put the wrong thing on the Slayer and show a monk. Mm-hmm. If we did that, we show a monk between the spy and the Slayer. The spy's not going to know this. The spy's not going to catch on to this. But it's going to create the effect of making the washerwoman look suspicious. If the washerwoman can socially redeem themselves, it's going to make the monk look suspicious because of this. It might make the slayer look suspicious because that. It, it creates a lot of world building. It, it, it's weird, and you don't see this option as, co- option as commonly, but it's sneakily powerful. The times I've seen like a washerwoman with just completely bad information, like just want to kill their pings and kill anyone else who's claiming the role they saw you'd be surprised like it's a very it's a surprisingly powerful use of the spy and i think any of these three options are fine ways to use the spy here another thing it can do uh show giving this information like that can also cause the town to sort of manifest a fake poisoner into existence Mm -hmm. right it creates the illusion that a poisoner uh that a poisoner is in play um, which is something evil yeah. really wants to do. Evil really wants to fake in TV. Evil really wants to fake worlds that hide the minions that are in play, whether that's by faking a poisoner in play, whether that's by faking a, a baron in or out of play, right? Um, th- that's that's yeah. something that's useful for the evil team. Thank you, TV. So I, I don't think it matters which of the three of these we do that much. I think those are the three options I see is... I agree. Give them completely bollocks information with, like... Townsfolk on the spy, wrong on someone, and then tell them an in-play role that's neither the spy nor the other person. Yep, I think that's... Put it on the empath, confirm them as the empath, or put it on the... Probably... Imp, and show them either Chef or Undertaker. Let's do that. Let's just go ahead and choose that option. We'll just show Chef and Undertaker and let them let the washerwoman confirm a, a good an evil player as a good yeah. And I think, like I said, I think these are all completely reasonable choices. Each of these is just going to be a different iteration of, you know, using the um, uh, the disruption from the spy's uh, ability to to help the evil yeah. team. Now, since we've sort of messed up this washerwoman completely, I'm inclined to give the investigator some real powerful information. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I would give the investigator pretty good information here since we've since we've really blown up the washerwoman. Which is of course putting a minion ping on the Scarlet Woman. Now where we put the other ping depends on what we want to do with the investigator's information. And there's two, maybe three options. There's probably two options here, I think. Um, I think there's three choices, yeah. three or four choices we can make, reasonably. Um, so the first option is a very obvious one. Um, you just put the other ping on the recluse, right? And it makes this information seem suspect because one of the people in the ping is the recluse. Yeah. It's now, fine. It's simple. It's fine. The sort of issue that with that from a game balance perspective is at that point, you've sort of made it so the only good information in this game is this fortune teller that yeah. the evil team knows about and may immediately murder. Right. So that's probably not too great. The next thing you can do is put the wrong ping on a, a player claiming something that you think a Scarlet Woman might claim. Right? Um, maybe like yeah. a Ravenkeeper or a Mayor. Yep. May- I would say Mayor more likely over a Ravenkeeper. Mayor yeah. is a classic Scarlet Woman bluff. It's also a classic Demon bluff, but it's a classic Scarlet Woman bluff. Yep, absolutely. Because it's something that if the Scarlet Woman has to become the demon, uh, the mayor is a reason for them to still be alive. And if the Scarlet Woman doesn't have to become the demon, it's another thing that evil can sell on final day. Is We don't have to choose between this, the other two players. We can just go get the mayor win. Yep, that's right. Uh, uh, another thing we could do, uh, we can't do it with the way we've used the Watchwoman here, but another thing we could do it's a very unorthodox, is we could put the two Scarlet Woman pings on the Scarlet Woman and the Imp. That's dangerous, but if Scarlet Woman gets killed, it makes the Imp look better, and if the Imp gets killed, it just passes to the Scarlet Woman, who looks looks okay. That's very dangerous, right? Town could just double down on killing both. Um, not, a, not necessarily a great option, but it's possible. Yeah, and then your sort of other choice is you can use 
the investigator wrong ping as sort of an information discreditor. Yep. So you can put it on the fortune teller, probably. Yep, that's probably where like, we would put it here. Yeah, like, you could also, like, it can it can legally go anywhere. You can put it on the monk, you can put it on the raven keeper, you can put it on the slayer. I don't, I probably wouldn't on this setup. I would probably be looking at do the recluse thing, do the mare thing, or do the fortune teller thing. Yeah. And I'd we, probably land on the mare thing. We, we want to try to leave the fortune teller here as a reliable source of info. I mean, the fortune teller already has its own disruption um, mm-hmm. on the script. So we want to make sure we leave the some bits of information that the good team can use to solve this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, which does bring us to the fortune teller and selecting the red herring for the fortune teller. Yeah. Um, now... When you select the red herring, you basically, again, you're going to use it to discredit a player. You're going to use it to make a player look evil. Um, you should put it on someone who's claiming something that a demon might claim. Um, or, Which, or that to be clear, is any of the 17 good rolls on the script. Yes, it is absolutely anything. Um, but The one place you probably shouldn't put it is the recluse, because you can already register the recluse as the demon if you need to. Another place you generally shouldn't put it, but it's technically legal, is on the spy... Please don't. Please don't. Uh, the recluse is the other source of disinformation, so when you have a recluse and a red herring, uh, you get a lot of disinformation for the fortune teller. They're going to have uh, an extra sort of disruptive ping as well. Um, something that's quite good to dis- discredit here uh, would be the raven keeper. Raven keeper's a great imp bluff, right? Because when it dies, it you know, it uh, you know the imp can star pass. So when the Raven Keeper dies, it might look like an imp star passing. Yeah, and I think another the other option I'd be strongly considering here is the monk. Yep. Um. It it's I think an interesting choice. Is it sort of forces evil to try to play a game of cat and mouse with the monk because as soon as the monk gets the save off, it's gonna they look like gonna look like a red herring. But I think that's fine. Yep. Like I that just creates fine. interesting strategic choices. I think Investigator is also fine here. Mm-hmm. Slayer's fine, though Slayer can be dangerous if the Slayer, you know, shoots somebody. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, uh, if you, Like, for example, if you were going to put the Red Herring on the Slayer, please don't let the Slayer shoot the Recluse dead. Yep, that would be bad. Uh, but it, I, I think really any of the Investigator, Monk, and Ravenkeeper are where I'm initially looking for this Red Herring. Yeah, I agree with you on that as well. Um. The last thing uh, we have to think about is what we're going to show the empath for their number. Um, yeah. In this case, it, we're it, almost certainly yeah, going to show a one. Yeah, if we put the red herring on the Raven Keeper, we're also sort of committing to show the empath a one. Yeah. If we put the red herring on the monk, we can start by showing the empath good information, which lets us then show the empath good information again on the imp. Yep, which is what we kind of want to do. So we'll so probably give the empath These choices zero. sort of end up going together. So it doesn't really matter which side you pick, nope. but these choices work together. Like, think about how these choices work together. Yep. If you have a red herring next to an empath, you probably want to make that red herring, or next to a drunk empath at least, or a poisoned empath, you want to make that red herring create a ping for the empath. And then also listen to what the evil team is talking about as you go through the night order, right? If you hear the evil team talking about framing the player in seat four, you know, make sure the empath gets a, or, you know, this would be in later nights, so the empath would, but maybe you're, maybe the evil team's framing the player in seat eight, right? You know, make sure the drunk empath gets a, gets a ping on seat eight, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. There was one other thing. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention on this one. Oh, the last thing I wanted to mention on this one, um, is uh, what to do uh, when the fortune teller picks the recluse uh, in the night. Let's say that the fortune teller uh, picks the recluse and the washerwoman. Um, Maybe you're trying to be nice to the fortune teller, or you're trying to give information that is helpful to the the evil team or the good team. Uh, I'm going to move the... I'm going to move the... uh, investigator wrong ping for a second and just imagine that we made a different choice here um Mm -hmm. in this in this world we put the investigator wrong ping on the recluse and on the scarlet woman and so we're selling the world where the recluse is a plausible scarlet woman right um if we 
want the recluse to be a Scarlet Woman, the recluse can't also register as the demon. So when the fortune teller picks the recluse, we may want to show a no instead of a yes. If we want the ping to, you know, if the town is leaning toward the ping being just on the recluse and the other player is good because their bluff is good or whatever, um, then we can show a yes to confirm that yes, it's a recluse with two pings on it, right? So we just have to think about uh, how we want to give that information and what sort of path we want to lead the town down. But we, we don't want to just give, oh, there's a, there's a minion ping here and a, re a red herring on it. It must be, it must be the recluse, right? It's pinging, it's yeah. pinging demon and minion. That's not great. Yep. Uh, yeah, like there's lots of like let's say we put the even if we put the wrong ping on I don't remember where we left yeah, it. It was on the mayor. Yeah. Like don't be like so determinate of like if the fortune teller hits the recluse night one that you definitely give the yes there. Mm -hmm. It can be like more devastating to give the no because then the recluse says it's weird the fortune teller didn't get a yes on me. Mm -hmm. So like think like Think about where how how the information is going to read as game balance. Does the fortune teller know they this is the recluse when they pick them, like on later nights? Yep. Um, is evil in a bind? Do we need to maybe discredit the fortune teller a little bit? Like let's say night. Let's say like for example, uh, day one, um, the scarlet woman gets executed for being in the ping. Uh, night, but the you know the fortune teller and recluse didn't talk at all. Night two, the fortune teller picks the recluse. Maybe you give a no there to create um some concern that this fortune teller might be evil. Yep, or that the and that the red herring or that the recluse, excuse me, might still be the living scarlet woman. Or that the recluse just like is like, hey, I don't trust this fortune teller because they should have gotten a yes on me and didn't. Like, yep. be flexible. The recluse is a might. Think about what's best for evil in the game balance at the time that the Fort Recluse is checked. Don't just treat it as an automatic yes for your fortune teller. And if evil is taken an outsider bluff here, we might want the town to know that there's a recluse because we don't necessarily want to confirm that there's a drunk in play. We want it to look yeah. like there's two, uh, two outsiders in play. Exactly. There's lots of things you have to think through. Yep. Uh, the recluse is definitely a maybe, not a yes for a reason. And I think the last thing maybe worth talking about here, Emma, is what to do when the mayor gets targeted by the demon. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of schools of thought on this. Um, what I will say is when you're deciding on a mayor bounce, please don't have like a set list of roles you've written down in priority order before the game starts and said, okay, the mayor bounces, that kills the spent virgin, that kills the spent washroom. If there's no spent virgin, it kills the washroom. If there's no washroom, it kills the investigator. First of all, the mayor bouncing into the virgin doesn't really help the good team. Just because they're a spent role. Like, you've successfully used the mare bounds to do something that evil needed to do anyway, which was kill that spent that confirmed virgin in the night. Um, yeah, I guess we don't have a virgin here, a, so it's... You've traded an unconfirmed player for a confirmed player. That's bad for yeah. town. That's bad for evil. It's good for town. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's... Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's good, that's for, good, for, it's good for evil. It's good for evil, it's yeah, bad for you've, town. Yeah, you've traded the virgin, you've traded the confirmed virgin for the unconfirmed mayor. Like, do what is necessary for game pounds. Maybe good is struggling, and the demon hits that mare. Maybe good struggling, and the demon hits the mare. Maybe you bounce it onto the raven keeper. Yeah. Maybe evil is stomping, the demon hits that, and this demon cockley hits that mare. Maybe you bounce them onto their spy, um, because good needs that much help. Mm -hmm. uh, in a less extreme circumstance, maybe use them to kill off the drunken empath and turn off that bad source of information. Yep. Like, it's really hard to talk about mare bounces in the abstract because so much of it is determined on what is good for game balance at the time. Like, if Town has three executions left and 
five demon candidates, maybe that mayor bounces onto one of their de- one of the good demon candidates just to give town a slightly better chance of getting to the end game. Maybe we take out the red herring that the fortune teller hasn't uh, that the fortune teller hasn't hit yet to clear that yeah. information source. It, Probably it's not on this all going to yeah, it's all going to turn on the balance of what's going on in the game at the time. And it's you not can always like, just you can always just kill the mayor. You can. Uh, I really don't like doing that generally. If no, I can avoid it. I want to let a mayor get to final three if they avoid being executed. That's their yeah. ability. I agree. Like, if like, you know, let's say the Raven Keeper checked the mayor. The empath is well. The empath is good and is drunk in this game. Let's say the fortune teller has a no in the mayor. The Raven Keeper checked them and confirmed them. Everyone in town is talking about how much they trust that mayor. Maybe then let the evil team kill them. Yeah. Because you're just not, it's not going to be fun for the evil team if they have to sit through a final three that's predetermined because everyone has decided they like the mayor, they trust the mayor. But if there's any doubt whatsoever to the mayor's reality, I'm probably going to let them make it to final three. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was just saying, you know, if, if the other choices aren't great, you know, mm-hmm. it's a mic. Yeah, it's a mic. So. All right. I think that's I think that's pretty much it. We've gone through S and D. We've gone through TP. Um, hopefully, this yeah. is helpful. You know, hopefully, hopefully. this is kind of given everybody a, a kind of an idea of how we make storyteller decisions, how you can make storyteller decisions. It's a little different kind of look at strategy, but it is it is clock tower strategy. I think. Yeah. Uh, so All until right. next week, may your scenarios be gripped.